Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Running on a Friday, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. No Richard Cross, no problem today. You got the dream team with you, carrying you into the weekend. It's great to be with you. From where I sit, it's a kind of a beautiful Friday afternoon, but we've got some weather affecting baseball across the state, football across the state, at least this weekend. And a whole lot coming your way this afternoon. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you and dream team here what's up guys another great day on sports talk mississippi mainly because it's just the three of us yeah richard not being here for for those who don't know we love richard we really do but when he's gone it's kind of like when your parents left the house when you were like 13 years old right where you didn't have a car yet so you couldn't go drive anywhere, you couldn't do anything, but when your parents left, you felt like you had the house to yourself and you could do whatever you wanted until you heard the garage door open, then you had to put everything away and act like you were just hanging out. This is just like that feeling when Richard's not here. Yeah, you uh, can you like a teacher like, and you can like yeah. a teacher and still be pumped a substitute's coming. Yeah. Exactly. It was just We're not gonna do the show. We were just gonna talk about doing the show today. <laughs> I mean, a new Game of Thrones trailer came out. If you want to spend the next three hours we on that, the whole we can show, do that. The whole three hours. I'm looking at your rundown here, Borky. i got to be honest with you. I, I am not seeing where we are previewing the biggest event of the weekend. I'm not seeing the WrestleMania preview in here. Where is it? We can do that right now. So tell us Ooh. about WrestleMania this weekend. I won't tell you about WrestleMania. I'll make you listen to Brian Haydad and Joel Coleman's Thunder and Lightning Extra WrestleMania preview available at supertalk.fm or anywhere podcasts are played. And that was talking wrestling. There you go. <laughs> I saved you guys some trouble. Yeah, we did about 45 minutes. We did a spare podcast wow. of completely previewing the whole weekend uh, NXT TakeOver and WrestleMania uh, this weekend. So it's good stuff. Check it out. Wait, two different things going on at the same time? Well, no, no. There's, there's a Saturday so WWE has like a developmental league, put it that way. Their <laughs> so the AAF is, of WWE. Basically, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's well-funded, and it's not going anywhere. Uh, and in some ways, it's better than the real thing. But it, their pay-per-view is Saturday night, and then WrestleMania is on Sunday. So is that like equivalent to like new actors doing low-budget movies to try to build their resume to show that they can handle some, a big role? I see where you're going with that, but it's, it's more like AAA baseball than anything else. These guys are ready to be stars. They just need a little extra, little extra polish. Okay, fair enough. Rippy, you were going to say something about wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's your favorite wrestler? Uh, the one in the tights. <laughs> Good call. He's great. Uh, we will not do much wrestling today, but we had this is a loaded sports weekend. People always talk about. Like the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament, for example, everybody says that's the best sports weekend of the year. And, you know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. It's a pretty good one. We've got Final Four coming up tomorrow, two games on Saturday, and then the championship on Sunday, which I would like them to spread that out a little bit more. Maybe play the two games or one on Thursday, one on Friday, championship Monday, something like that. But nevertheless, you got the Final Four starting tomorrow. The NBA, if you're an NBA fan, is down to the wire couple games left, three games left, depending on what team you like. So that is heating up and continuing on this weekend. Got pivotal series, or a pivotal series going on in Oxford, Ole Miss, and Florida, especially after what happened in the midweek, that inexplicable loss by the Rebels to North Alabama. Mississippi State has a bounce-back opportunity going to Knoxville this weekend. Potentially some weather situations already in Knoxville. 
You've got a schedule change in Oxford. We'll get to that in a little bit. Ole Miss has a spring game this weekend, if that's your kind of thing. Then you got Major League Baseball off and running. So take your pick with sports this weekend. Yeah, people talk about this how many years like the worst. It's not. There's plenty of good options left. We still, you know, and the NBA playoffs are not far off. If you're into that, that's gonna that's gonna heat up. And honestly, you know, one of the best playoffs out there is about to start up the Stanley Cup playoffs. Love watching hockey play. I can't I can't get too into the hockey regular season, but I will watch hockey playoffs. So you got that going on. There's there's a lot going on in the world of sports right now. Don't 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 be worried about the fact that some things are winding down. There's always something to pick you up. Yeah, it's really June to August is the, is when it gets tough. Or end yeah. of June, I guess. Got a wrestling yeah. fan here listening to us right now. Josh Pitts gives us the entire schedule. NXT is on Friday. Yeah. Saturday, the G1 Supercard, in parentheses, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Good I'll stuff. take your word for it. And then yeah. the WWE Hall of Fame. And then Sunday, WrestleMania, which isn't that in uh, MetLife Stadium in New York? Yeah, this year it is, yeah. To give you a little insight, Ring of Honor in New Japan, that is more like the AAF. They they operate separate of WWE. NXT is run by WWE. So, Okay. I, this is more than y'all have ever had on the show. I'm so <laughs> proud of y'all. You Richard wouldn't be having this. We would not be having this with Richard. He would have shut me down pretty early. You should have heard the way Cross yelled at me last year when I tried to do Game of Thrones recaps. So, Buddy, you, you, got, you got some backup this year, all right? It's like it's 60 happen. million people watch it. We've got a few listeners out there that do, but I digress. I, I've seen concerts. I've been to concerts in big stadiums, right? I've been to a concert uh, in Columbia where South Carolina plays in the upper deck close to the last row. You can't see anything at all. But you're there to hear music, so at least you're taking it in. If you're watching, and, and this applies to boxing as well, if you're going to a boxing match or, or a wrestling match, in a stadium that size, and you're in the very back row, what are you doing there? Yeah. You just wanted to be there. You know, sometimes you just want to be at the event. You want to say you were there. I guess. You ever been to a boxing match? I have never been to a boxing match in person, which is, is so disappointing because I, 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 I would once. love it. It was obviously very low-key, uh, but the one of the casinos in Vicksburg had a boxing night, and they had a guy... His, his name is Cliff Kowser, and his gimmick, he had a gimmick. He looks almost exactly like Mike Tyson. It's it's uncanny. So he came out in the black hmm. trunks. He looks like Tyson. doesn't fight like Tyson, but he looked like Tyson. And it was fun. It's a lot of fun to go to those. Rip, you ever seen a boxing match in person? No, I've never. Have you? Shows how much you've been paying attention. You, he just said. He just said it, Rippy, that he has not. A couple things coming up today. The XFL is planning on poaching players from college football. They've even sent letters to prominent agents saying as much. They plan on poaching players from college football. We'll give you the details later on. We'll do full weekend previews. Next, we'll talk baseball. Look ahead to Ole Miss in Florida and Mississippi State in Tennessee. We'll give you our final four picks. A big-time NFL quarterback might be heading towards free agency. We'll give you those details. Luke Johnson will join to give his take on the new athletic director at Southern Miss. And a whole lot more today. A little bit scatterbrained, but that's kind of this time of year, as Haydad said. There's just so much different stuff going on. It's hard to pick a theme for the day, which is something I I always kind of want to do in the show, is, is have a singular focus. But today, this weekend... Not really an option here, and at least for you guys, I mean, you got to cover games, but um, at least you get to do that for a living, I guess. <laughs> it could be worse, for sure. Other than the games you have to cover, what are you going to be watching? I, mean, I think this the week... Final Four will get done, or at least most of the second game in time, so now that baseball moved up to what is noon and 4.30. Yeah, so let's just go ahead and mention that right now. If you listen to the games on one of these radio stations that you're listening to right now or you just plan to attend or watch, there was a schedule change in Oxford. They will play a doubleheader with an hour in between tomorrow. Uh, First pitch will be at noon, and the schedule they released said that Game 2 will begin at approximately, what, 4.30, they said, uh, which is about an hour and a half after the the spring game begins. So they're going to try to fit baseball, spring game, baseball in that window. And 
Uh, hopefully it works out at least for you, Rippy. Yeah, I think barring something like unforeseen, that the second game should be pretty safe for at least most of it. Because what the second one's at like seven fifty, like uh, Final Four that is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you should be able to get there for that one. That's a busy Saturday for you, though, man. Gosh, you got a lot to do. Yep, should be a lot of fun. So spring football. And then two baseball games, though I, I doubt I can end up catching much of the first one with the spring game going on at the same time. Probably catch the end of it, but definitely definitely the third one, or third one of the series, that is. Yeah, and a big, important series in Oxford this weekend. We'll talk about that next. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. You can text the show, 601-879-4395. That's 601-879-4395. That's a ceasefire text line. Be a part of the show this afternoon, but do so safely. Don't text and drive, but we would love to hear from you this afternoon. We'll talk baseball next. Richard's off today. He will be back Monday just doing a little, uh, uh, got a, a family thing he's, he's taking care of today. And uh, no problems. He will be back on Monday. So st- uh, sit tight. Talk baseball next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Baseball, Sports Talk Mississippi on a Friday. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. Let's start in Oxford just because I think this series is a little bit more interesting than the one in Knoxville. With all due respect to Tennessee, they don't move the needle in baseball like Florida does. So let's start with Ole Miss, Rippey. And you would have expected a lot of forward momentum specifically after beating Arkansas two out of three, but then whatever the heck you call what happened on Kids Day game a couple days ago, um, maybe it didn't derail it, but it's a completely different feeling today going into this series than you would have had if they'd have just taken care of business in the midweek. Yeah, it just gives it a, an interesting vibe. I'm not sure it'll end up necessarily mattering if they play well this weekend, but it, it certainly, like, it's, it was weird because you kind of had the high point and the low point of the season in a matter of like 48 hours kind of fitting for how they've looked so far this year though yeah i guess in some ways it is but i mean if they like if they take two of three this weekend and, and play well i i don't think that hiccup on tuesday ends up mattering a ton but if they if they play poorly it's just kind of like feeds into the kind of the narrative and the trend so so what do they have to do if they're going to play well this weekend not if they're going to play well this weekend if they're going to win a series this weekend, what do they have to do? What does Florida bring to the table? Uh, what do you see in, in the Gators? Well, they've str- the offense is going to have to be more consistent for Ole Miss because uh, Florida struggled to pitch it behind the Friday night guy, Tommy Mason. I think that's why you're kind of like that's why you're seeing them go TBA on the last two days. So they would obviously, I mean, this is not breaking any news here, do well to not squander a good outing from Will Etheridge and then really take advantage because you would assume they're going to have the upper hand with Nikhazy on the mound Saturday because Ole Miss is also TBA on Sunday. I imagine on Sunday it's either Houston Roth or Tyler Myers depending on if Myers is used in the first two games. But, you know, it's it's kind of an unsolved puzzle on Sunday right now and so you had better take advantage of the one-two punch you have. And tonight's going to be tough cuz Mace is Mace is really good. What's your take on Hoagland being removed at least for now from that rotation? Uh, he wasn't giving you any kind of longevity on the hill, but isn't Houston Roth a really valuable bullpen piece on Friday and Saturday that can take you and eat multiple innings and, and secure series and win ball games in, in that role? And can Hoagland slide into that kind of role now that he's not a starter anymore? Yeah, I think he can because I think his problem as a starter is he became way too fastball dependent a lot. Like in high school, he kind of obviously most kids you're you're the best kid on the field, and so you're kind of getting away by just blowing fastballs by kids, no matter where you kind of throw it in the strike zone, and that doesn't really happen at this level. And so it's just a learning process. But you've seen enough from Hoagland in spurts that like one time through the order or going an inning in two thirds or two innings, like I think he projects fine out of the bullpen. 
So I, I don't think it's like what you described, honestly, with Roth there is exactly what they have in Tyler Myers, too. So I don't think either way they go there. And like I say either way they go. That's not like it's the only two options, but it's really the only two that make sense. Like, I, I think they're fine either way there. And I think they could get something out of Hoagland in the pen. So is Florida about to toss a bunch of 80-mile-an-hour max lefties at Ole Miss this weekend, or do they even have that guy? I don't think they have a lot of that, which Ole Miss will be fortunate. I imagine it'll – I mean, they have a couple lefties, but I I don't think they're going to be able to – and I could be wrong because I I think with the way Ole Miss has hit left-handers, they might try to throw one in one of these two games, but I don't think you're going to see like righty-lefty-lefty on Saturday, Sunday, that is, in terms of starting. Bullpen, kind of anything goes. Looking at the standings, it's probably still a little early for this, but if you're looking at the SEC West, and I mean, part of the goal for that team going into the season, at least from fan base expectations, was was an Omaha trip. It was the number one recruiting class. They're now three years into it. A bunch of juniors on that team that have played a ton of baseball. And as you know, Rippy, as everybody knows, the committee's not going to just hand the SEC a bunch of hosting sites. You've got to separate yourself somehow. One game separates first and sixth in the SEC West right now. And I imagine, I mean, naturally you're going to have a little bit of separation just from the teams kind of playing each other and cannibalizing each other, but I imagine amongst three, you know, two, three, four of those teams is going to be like that the whole way through. I mean, the SEC West is as tough as it's ever been. And that's, you know, you have this the those teams, and then you have like an Alabama that they're not going to be good and necessarily win a bunch of games, but they're a lot more competitive than they've been the last couple of years. So it's going to be tough. So I think you know Mike Bianco's teams have started slow before. I mean, you think of 2016 was two and six at one point, I think, before they went on to finish 17 and 13 or 18 and 12. I can't remember. And so they've had this before. So you know they always seem to kind of play better towards the back half of April and May. So I think them sitting at five and four this weekend's really crucial. I feel like you say that every weekend, but I don't think they're sitting in bad position at five and four right now. Definitely not, especially with Florida and then Kentucky after Florida on the schedule. Let's turn the page over to Knoxville. Hey, Dad, there's weather in the forecast for the weekend. May have to move some games around, but even though Tennessee's improved somewhat, it's a series that you probably expect Mississippi State to win on the road, right? You definitely feel that State's the better team, uh, especially when you look at how good State is hitting the ball right now, or how well, I guess I should say, I'll be grammatically correct. Uh, Tennessee's a really good pitching team, but so is Auburn, and State lit them up for, for a lot of runs. Um, so you you, you got to feel like State, you know, that, that game on Wednesday, it, it felt like they were starting the car back up, and, and they, they got a lot of hits and a lot of runs, and everybody was making contact. And if they can carry that into this weekend at Tennessee, they're going to be in pretty good shape. And then on the other side of it, you know, Tennessee is not a great hitting team. They're only hitting 278 as a team. Uh, so you, you feel pretty good about what Small and Ginn can give you in these first two games, and then you just sort of have to figure it out on Sunday. And, and on that note, what are they going to do on Sunday? Because it, last weekend was ju- you're going to lose series playing in the SEC West. It's just going to happen. That's what happens. But bullpen depth in, in Game 3 pitching is at least a question mark, a, a area of concern for that team. What do you expect they're going to do? Well, they're going to start Peyton Plumley, who got the start last Sunday. He only won a couple of innings, though, but was pitching pretty well outside of the first play of the game where he gave up a, a solo home run, I think on the second pitch of the game, to Antoine Duplantis. Uh, but Plumley has been pretty solid, and he's a veteran. He's, he's, he's been in these games before. And then they'll just sort of piece it together. You know, it, I think a lot of it depends on how many innings you're able to get out of small and again. I think you might need to start pushing those guys to try to get them into the seventh inning so you can sort of save some guys. You would like to maybe not have to use Jarrett Liebelt before Sunday, or or can you avoid using Tristan Barlow before Sunday? And then, you know, with those two guys, with Cole Gordon, Brandon Smith has been pretty consistent this year, and I think Keegan James could probably give you an inning or two out of the bullpen, even though he pitched on Wednesday. You, you got enough there to put it put together a Johnny Hole staff that, that's pretty good. And, uh, to, you know, and the other thing to remember is most of these Sunday games are going to be slugfest anyway. You know, State not scoring but two runs in game three last week. I think that's a little bit of an outlier. I think State should be good for seven, eight runs in these Sunday games facing most teams' number three starters. Tennessee's number three starter, ERA is over five. So against this Bulldog offense, it's going to be very interesting to see how Tennessee does. Tennessee currently sits at three and six in the SEC. They got swept in the opening weekend by Auburn. All three close games, though, uh, they took two of three from a very bad Almost surprisingly bad South Carolina team this year, and then salvaged Sunday 
uh, in a, a series loss to Vanderbilt last weekend. Jake Mangum, close to history. Hey, Dad, how close is he? He is three hits away from being the all-time hits leader in Mississippi State history, and he's at 323. I hate so that he's he, going to do that on the road. Yeah, he is probably going to do so, but it does look like he'll be able to break Eddie Furness's record. If he has a great week, including this these next three games, and in the midweek, he'll have a chance to break Eddie Furness's record Super Bulldog weekend. Uh, but in all likelihood, the weekend after that, you're going to see uh, Jake Mangum become the all-time hits leader in, in the history of the Southeastern Conference. Which is pretty incredible. I mean, I mean, no, I, I joke about him being there forever and having grandchildren and uh, his 401k being padded, but it's really incredible what he's done there. So consistently, too. I mean, a lot of guys, even in a four-year career, there are there are lulls either over multiple weekends or even an entire season. I didn't really had that. No, his whole career. I mean, he hit 400 as a freshman. Uh, you know, was sort of took a back seat his sophomore year because of Brent Rooker's incredible season. And then last year, you know, he sort of willed the team to the College World Series. He just drugged them with him, having another great year. And, and this year is one of his best years so far. He's hitting a 413 on the season. He's second in the SEC in batting behind Vanderbilt's Austin Martin. Uh, just having a, an all-around great year. And the rest of the, the lineup behind him is doing a great job as well. Jordan Westberg and Elijah McNamee have been very solid all year, as has Justin Foscue. Dustin Skelton has provided some power that you wouldn't have expected from him. He's got six home runs already. And it looks like, you know, Rowdy Jordan and Tanner Allen are starting to round back into, into shape. And so you're going to end up with a lineup that one through nine is pretty solid. I mean, Gunnar Halter is the low man on the totem pole when if these guys get going, and he's going to be hitting 260, 270. If you're getting that out of the nine spot, you're in pretty good shape. Welcome into the 4 o'clock hour Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk, by the way, is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, and you can text the show 601-879-4395 on the C Spire text line. Be a part of the show today, but please do so safely. Do not text and drive. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. Richard's just taking a day off. He'll be back with you, locked and loaded and ready on Monday. I kind of knew this was going to happen when I brought it up, quite frankly, but you, all of you listening out there, love your baseball movies, apparently, because I I brought up that Sunday is the 30-year anniversary of the release of Major League, and I think, just me, I think that that is the best baseball movie ever made, and you guys have flooded the text line with what you think uh, is your best baseball movie. I've seen a couple of these guys uh, of long gone, never heard of it, have you? Long gone? Long gone. Long? No, I've never heard of that. Never heard of that movie. Aaron and Meridian says Hardball. If you want to cry watching a movie, Hardball is the one to do it. That's a good one, yeah. That's more of a a life movie with baseball mixed in, but yeah, that's... uh, uh, Keanu Reeves somehow doesn't method act in that movie. It's actually really good. Don't make fun of Keanu Reeves. He'll pull a John Wick on us and just blast him. Dude, I love Keanu Reeves. I was having that conversation at a crawfish boil I went to last weekend about how Keanu Reeves gets a bad rap for being a bad actor. But, I mean, he played Shane Falco in The Replacements, threw a game-winning touchdown pass to beat Dallas and take his uh, replacement player team to the playoffs. I mean, that was an awesome moment, even though it didn't actually happen. They are having a crawfish boil last night at uh, the SEAL building when I was leaving. I-, I wanted to stay so bad. It's like, I could, can, I, can, I, can I be a coach, support staff, something? Just give me some crawfish. That's all I wanted. <laughs> My favorite baseball movie is Basketball, which was done by the, uh, the creators of South Park. Don't That's watch it around your kids. Movie. That's a basketball movie. That's totally the one different. where the team's called the Beers, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Bull Durham, a lot of votes for Bull Durham. As there should be. Moneyball so or... 61. That's, that's not in theaters, obviously. That was an HBO movie, but that is a fantastic movie. John in Starkville says Eight Men Out. No, also never heard or seen that one. You never heard of Eight Men Out? Never about the, heard about of Eight Men Out. About the Black Sox? About Shula Show Jackson? I've never Charlie heard of that Charlie Sheen movie. and, and uh, uh, John Cusack? That's a great movie. You should definitely watch it. Because it's historical, so it'll still hold up. It's about the uh, the Black Sox scandal and them getting kicked out of baseball. I've actually had the privilege of putting on Shoeless Joe Jackson's World Series ring. That's cool. 
It was awesome. I was kind of shaking, which is odd because you're just putting a ring on, but it's um, my best friend in the world. His name is Joe Jackson. He's a direct descendant of Shoeless Joe, and they have all of his his memorabilia because the Hall of Fame, even though they ask for it, they're not giving it to him because they won't put him in the Hall of Fame. So they've got it all. So I, I've I've touched his gloves and, and all kinds of shoes, all kinds of stuff that they have of his, and I got to put on that ring, which was the coolest uh, sports moment I've ever had in my life. Putting that thing on, that is pretty that is, wild. That's, that's pretty cool. For the love of the game with Kevin Costner, that you know, the best part about that movie is the random serious role that John C. Riley has. Yes, <laughs> my wife loves that movie. That movie to me is more of a rom com. Yeah, it's not a, a rom-com, but it's more of a romantic movie. That it, it, it's sort of like you just said about uh, being a life movie. That's more of a romance movie with baseball a, 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 as part of it. Yeah, It's like in the fever pitch genre. Fever pitch, I don't want to get into because I've always felt bad for Red Sox fans, and I don't, I don't care for the Red Sox, but I always felt bad for them that their first World Series in over 100 years, they had to share with Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore <laughs> filming a scene as they're trying to celebrate. Like, who okayed that? Who said, yeah, yeah, 100 years of, of, of torture. By all means, Jimmy Fallon, get out there. Rookie of the year. You heat up the ah. ice cubes. It's the best of both worlds. Hot ice. <laughs> That's a good movie. Rosenbaga. You know, my problem is with, with, uh, with uh, For Love of the Game is all of the players are wearing, like, 63 72. I mean, I know the Yankees have retired a lot of numbers. But my gosh, I mean, they got MLB's permission to use the uniforms. They could have been like, hey, we're going to use real numbers here. <laughs> Somebody's going to be number 15. or I don't know who a 15. Well, I'm sure it's retired for New York, but still. You know, when they have the meeting at the mound and, like, the, 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 the sum of the infield is 416. Get a text from the 662. The Natural is the best serious baseball movie. Major yes. League is the best non-serious baseball movie. And they said Field of Dreams is not very good. Just thought it was kind of silly. I actually agree with you. Other than the speech, Field of Dreams is slow and kind of ridiculous to me. Field of Dreams is a life movie, again. It's about, you know, because at the end you realize what it was all about. Get the Sandlot, the undisputed champ of baseball movies. Sandlot is great. There have been some really bad remakes of that movie. I yes. love the Sandlot, though. The original Sandlot is, is one of the, the best movies you'll ever see. Get Even one for the rookie. The Dodgers. Rookie's a true story. Yeah. Dennis Quaid, what's his name? Jimmy Morris? Oh, I don't remember. I think Jim I Morris. I believe that's correct. The, the 40-year-old that had, what was it, just a standard Tommy John surgery, but he was out of baseball for years and was the coach of a small high school baseball team and and they promised if they won their division he would go try out again because he could he still had it and he ended up making the raise and playing in the majors yeah. again in his yeah. 40s yeah that's really, that was back that, when like really tommy cool john was a little different right because now you got guys did you see like johnny venters is pitching in the major leagues three tommy johns removed <laughs> kelso says watch my mouth talking about field of dreams that way <laughs> I want to give a shout out to uh to is this is this Quinn or our buddy Quinn? Yeah, no, it's not. It's, right, here it is from the six six two. Somebody says the best sports movie has to be Brian's song. The reason I like that movie that is who I am named after, Brian Piccolo. Oh, how about that? My dad named me after him. People which like is funny, the... pretty ironic. He named me after a running back because I am slow as Christmas. <laughs> People like uh, the true story aspect of Moneyball gotten a couple of those, the original See, Bad News Bears from Wayne I and Biloxi. I do not like the true story aspect of Moneyball because it's that they, they gloss over the true story. Everybody makes it that movie makes it look like that that team won because they had Scott Hatterberg and Chad Bradford. They won because they had Mulder, Zito and Hudson and they had Miguel uh, they had uh, uh, Miguel Tejada hitting 47 home runs <laughs> and winning the AL MVP that year. They, those guys are not in the movie. They had the best rotation in baseball, and they had the best shortstop in baseball at the time, or one of them, and they're not even in the movie. But Scott Hatterberg and Chad Bradford, they were the reason the A's were good that year. You had to sneak Chris Pratt in there somehow. 
I guess, man. He could have he could have played Eric Chavez. A few votes for 42. Hey, the thing I've taken out of this, one, you all love baseball movies, but baseball has more good movies than literally every other sport combined. That is true. That is true. I mean, if we start talking... Because baseball is is more romantic. It's poetic, yeah. It lends itself to better storytelling. You know? I mean, football is is such a barbaric game at its core. It's hard to romanticize that, you know? I mean, think about it. The longest yard was good storytelling. The longest yard is great, but... Yeah, we're not saying that there's an absence of good No, 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 yeah, there's plenty movies. of good ones, I, I but there are joking. more baseball. I was it's about a guy that went to jail. Like, well, yeah. Wait, 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 are you talking about the original longest yard or the one with Adam Sandler? It's the same storyline, is it not? Yeah, but the longest yard with Burt Reynolds as the star of it's actually a good movie. I kind of like the second one as well. Yeah, God. We get a text that says that baseball is the greatest sport ever, and that's why they have... The abundance of really good sports movies. I will maintain forever, and you guys will disagree with this completely, but I think the best sports movie ever is Miracle. Because it is the best sports story ever, and it's completely true, and it was depicted really well. I got no problem with Miracle. Great movie. The the speech scene is fantastic. Uh, Anything with Kurt Russell, I'm probably going to enjoy. And like I said, it's such a great movie. Amanda says we're killing her smalls. I, I get the reference. That's a, the, the great thing about you know. No offense to Richard, but all the references are being caught today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what Richard would have said though? What? Well, I actually watch baseball instead of movies, so that's why. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't seen Forty Two. I need to see that. I guess. Apparently, that's it's a fantastic. really good movie. Yeah, I mean, I know the story, obviously, Jackie Robinson. But Thanks for your engagement today. A lot of texts coming in. Glad that you're being a part of the show this afternoon, and you can too if you haven't yet. 601-879-4395 on the Ceasefire text line. Let us know what you think. We're talking baseball movies. We'll turn our attention to spring football in a little bit. We've got Final Four coming up, and a story that interests me, it may you as well, the XFL has actually alerted sports agents that they plan to poach college football players for their upstart league starting next year. I'll give you the details coming up later on in the show. But text us for now, 601-879-4395. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. this sports movie stuff. I've got a story to tell. So, as I mentioned, Miracle is my favorite sports movie. I think it's the best sports movie, and and it's the greatest upset of all time, and considering the political climate in the United States and the insurmountable odds, the impossible odds that that United States hockey team faced when they beat Russia that day is something that may never happen again in sports. It was a bigger upset than Virginia getting beat by a 16 last year in the NCAA tournament. I'm not exaggerating. And you had all the political stuff. It was massive. And even though I wasn't even alive when that went down in 1980, I still that story gets me emotional for whatever reason. I know I kind of sound like a wuss, but it's true. On my wife and I's third date, it was really just a a hangout at at her house at the time. So it wasn't really a date. I was just over there hanging out. And we're still getting to know each other. And she's asking me about, you know, what I do for a living and what it's like. And and all I know is sports. It's all I really care about. It's all I talk about. And we get to talking about movies. And I tell her, well, that movie, Miracles, is my favorite one. We should watch it sometime. And she's never seen it. So I tell her the story about that hockey team and Lake Placid and and the political and all that stuff and I show her the video uh, where they're counting down and do you believe in miracles? Yes. And I start getting emotional. And she looks at me and goes, "So wait. This happened when?" <laughs> I said 1980 and she goes, "Oh. So why do you care now?" <laughs> and thought I was never going to see her again. Did you tell her that uh, Herb Brooks now coaches Oregon basketball? 
What? Have you seen Dana Altman? He looks exactly like Oh, does Herb he really? Brooks. Like the real yeah, Herb does. Brooks? Yeah, yeah, she just looked at me just dumbfounded and goes, so why do you care now? <laughs> and I'm sitting here, my eyes are watering, I'm getting all pumped up again, and uh, almost lost her that day. Maybe it was better for her if she would have, considering the uh, the coverage and how I outkicked mine. But nevertheless, let's turn the page and talk a little football, because we have to, even though especially with the the baseball changing. Uh, we'll see how many people actually go to this thing because the Grove Bowl, the Ole Miss spring game, uh, will be going on while baseball is going on. In case you missed it, uh, there will be a doubleheader tomorrow in Oxford. First pitch at noon. They will play the next game about an hour after that. And the spring game starts at 3 o'clock. So, you know, we'll see what kind of crowd baseball and football draws. But there will be a game nevertheless, Rippy, and there's two new coordinators at Ole Miss that we need to watch for that everybody's going to have their eye on, but I can't imagine we're going to see a whole lot, are we? Not from a schematic standpoint, but I think you'll get a better idea of kind of who they're looking at to play where because you do have some different position changes and, and things like that. Like they've moved some some linebackers to defensive end in the 3-4 and vice versa and some guys inside and out. And then offensively they have the Tyler Knight in the slot and some of the new receivers doing some different things. So I think it'll be more about personnel more so than scheme and the thing is so we're not going to see scheme as you mentioned we're not going to get very much insight but at least you will be able to tell that defensively they will line up and know where to line up at least that's my guess I just can't imagine it can be any worse than last year yeah I I've said on our podcast a couple of times, like I'm not sure how much better the results will be, but it'll be more visually appeasing because I just don't think it could have been any possibly any worse, to, like you kind of just said. Yeah, let me put a pause on that for a second because we had that guy. We always have that guy, and Richard brings it up, tweets the show. So we got more texts in that last 20 minutes than we've gotten in any other show this week. Been a lot of fun. You guys seem to have enjoyed this. But we do get the tweet from Nathan that we always get when we go a little bit off topic, when we're not breaking down depth charts, when we loosen up and have just a casual conversation about movies. Nathan says, let's not ruin a whole show without Richard by talking about movies. Nathan, well, first of all, thank you for listening. And I'm going to answer you honestly. If we spent all three hours, all five days a week, every day, every week, the entire year, we would lose our minds. We can't break down the Grove Bowl for three hours today. It's not going to happen. It was just ten minutes. Pump your brakes, man. Everybody else seemed to have fun. Maybe loosen up and and you can do the same as well. Anyway, Rippy, go ahead. (laughs) Back to you, Rippy. I didn't have a t- – what was your – I, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Well, just, that was a nice scorching, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say this. Ole Miss though. football. Yeah. It's fantastic. Go. Uh, the, the Grove Bowl, the spring game, uh, a team practicing on television. But So I will say this, and I've told a lot of people this, and I was uh, – I did a guest spot on a radio show recently where they asked me, well, what do you expect from Ole, from Ole Miss this year? And I said, honestly, I have no idea. You can't lose that many pieces on offense and just not skip a beat. It doesn't work that way. However, they are going to look different. And basically, by default, considering what is out and now what is in from a play calling and scheme standpoint, it will look different and at least it will look better. I don't know if it will translate to more wins or not, but the offense will make sense when you watch it. There will be a route concept. The defense will line up and not have the defensive end on purpose lining up against a slot receiver from ULM who is their best player. That kind of stuff won't happen anymore, basically by default, considering who is out and now who is in. Does it mean they'll win more? I don't know. A lot to replace, especially on offense, but it will look differently. Yeah, for as much as we talked about like last year being a, a year of optics in terms of like how Ole Miss won games and how Ole Miss lost games and how bad the defense was at times, I think this year will kind of be similar in the sense that like I'm not sure what the results will be because it is a reset year, right? I mean, they're an extremely young football team, two new coordinators. Like, there's so much new there that you don't really know what the results are going to be. But if like there's signs of progress to the point where you're talking about lining up in the right place, the d- defense playing harder, being marginally better, maybe even a lot 
lot better. Who knows? And, and then the offense kind of maybe coming into its own at the end of the year. I, I don't know like how many wins and losses that translates to, but like if, if, if they look like they're going in a positive direction, particularly towards the end of the year, I think that'll go a long way into 2020. And I guess we've got to watch for Matt Corral, new quarterback stepping in. You saw a little piece of him last year in doses, and you saw that even though there's this misconception about a Rich Rodriguez offense, which I imagine uh, he fights all the time, where people think that all he can do is run, where the offense only runs, it's only ever run, the only quarterback he can have is a Pat White, and that's it. That is Pat just completely false. He had a 4,000-yard freshman passer at Arizona in 2014. His offense can can be adjusted based on personnel, but Matt Corral is a good enough athlete to run. Yeah, and I'll actually be kind of interested to see what the backup quarterback shakes out like because you have you have Tisdale and you have Ken K. Den on campus right now. I think Plumley probably changes the dynamic of that when he gets here. If he gets here, I think he'll probably end up here. Ely a little bit different, but It'll be interesting who the backup quarterback is. And both backups, Dent and Tisdale, are going to go full contact. Matt Corral is not. So that'll be kind of interesting to see how they use their skill set because Tisdale is obviously a, a, a willing and, and, and I guess, able runner would be the right way to put it. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how the, the guys behind Corral are used as well. And then a new look defensively. I know we were joking, but, I mean, we're also kind of serious. They'll, they had – trouble just getting in the right position at the snap last year now you've got an entirely new defense bringing in the 3-4 which is really flexible and another misconception with the 3-4 just like Rich Rodriguez's offense it doesn't require four linebackers lined up four yards off the ball that's not exactly how a 3-4 works but it is a new scheme yeah, and the outside position will probably be the main position to watch in terms of kind of who fits well because you are asked for obviously some pass rush responsibilities as well as coverage. So they need guys that can kind of fit the mold of of doing both. And they bring in Sam Williams, a JUCO kid, who's probably the the. I mean, when you say he's the best kid they signed in that class, like at most least ready the to most play now. important ready now instant impact guy. Yeah. Yeah, and so beyond him, like seeing who kind of plays well or who they're using out there on the edge will be interesting. As and then kind of a, as a trickle down effect of how that makes the inside linebacker position look. So those are the things to watch for. Grove Bowl. What is it? Three o'clock tomorrow, and it's on. We we get a text asking what it's on. I believe it's the SEC Network, right? Yeah, I think that's. I, I'm. I'm I'll have to we'll double, double check, check that, but to make I'm pretty sure, sure but that's it's, right. They air all of these. The SEC Network makes sure that, that they get as much football on as possible, even spring games, so that, that'll be on there as well. So don't expect much schematically. They're going to be pretty vanilla, but at least uh, hopefully we laid out the kind of things to watch for. Quarterback position, new schemes on both sides of the ball, and maybe the defense for the first time in two years will line up correctly uh, before the ball is snapped. Ole Miss spring game, 3 o'clock on the SEC Network. Yeah. There we go. There we go. We'll turn the page. This is an NFL story, and I'll gauge the Brian's interest on this. I think we're heading for a massive free agency in the NFL at the quarterback position. Kyler Murray and and Josh Rosen are are making all of the headlines right now. Russell Wilson may be the most important NFL free agent at the quarterback position in a long, long time. I'll tell you why and why that's likely to happen coming up next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey with you. Lineup cards are being tweeted out. We got baseball here in about an hour or so from right now. And if you're listening on one of these stations, you'll catch either the Ole Miss or Mississippi State game tonight. Uh, depending on where you are. So you've got Ole Miss in Florida tonight in Oxford and Mississippi State and Tennessee in Gainesville. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, and you can text the show if you'd like. Be a part of the show this afternoon. 601-879-4395 is the number to do it. It's a ceasefire text line. Please do not text and drive. Be a part of the show today, but do so safely. And I know you guys have both seen him at this point, so a, a quick little rundown uh, anything that stands out to you from the lineups uh, at Ole Miss or Mississippi State? We'll start with you, Hey Dad. Anything? Uh, they kept the same lineup they had uh, from from Wednesday night's offensive explosion. Rowdy Jordan still batting second. Tanner Allen down at seventh. Brad Cumbus, the uh, true freshman 
uh, two-sport athlete is in at the DH, and I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities uh, against uh, against. Uh, I'm sorry, going forward, because he is he's been really really good to the point where I'm starting to wonder if his career will be in football or baseball. He's been really good on the diamond this year. Anything on the old Miss side, Rippy? It's interesting there, uh, like this this whole Kevin Graham playing first base and Cole Zabowski DHing thing seems to be sticking. I imagine Cole will still play first base, you know, it, it's sparing. I don't know about sparingly, but will still play some first base is my point. But he made the move last week because he felt like Zabowski, I believe he had an error in the Friday night game at Arkansas, maybe he felt like he was pressing a little bit defensively, so made the switch, and it's worked out well, but... Um, you know, Cockrell and right field, it looks like you might be doing the whole lefty-righty thing with Elko, so maybe they're settling into a left-handed and right-handed lineup on, I mean, at least appears more concrete than it did a couple weeks ago. Get a text here from the 662. I can't believe I said this, so I said Mississippi State and Tennessee are going to be in Gainesville tonight. Did I really do that? Yeah, I didn't want to correct you. Oh, I did I that? You're, oh, jeez. You're very fragile. It's you're a, very fragile. Yeah. It's, a, it's been a long day on a Friday. Thanks for pointing that out. Uh, I can't find a name here but whoever uh, in the 662 that let me know yeah they are not playing in Gainesville tonight that would be a little odd uh, they will be in Knoxville where there's potential weather today but it seems like they're going to get the game in tonight is that right more uh, yeah, worry on the it, weekend it, it appears that way so you never know obviously and things can change with southern weather but right now it appears Mississippi State and Tennessee are a go. I can't believe I did that. Been a long week, Bruce. Uh, thank you uh, for pointing that out to me. Um Rippy on that note, you, the the tinkering of the lineup and I know that that happens in a lot of places a lot, but is there ever any concern of inconsistency having an adverse effect on a team in a lineup? Um, I mean, I think to some degree, but the way they're doing it now in the last week and a half or so, it's regular enough to where you like. I think players come to the ballpark depending on who's pitching and a couple other factors, knowing what to expect, as versus like it being such an unsolved puzzle that you don't know which pieces are going where. So I think they're settling into a regular enough that I, I don't think the the kind of platoon in the corner outfield spots and at DH is 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 something that that's going to upset any sort of rhythm. We have this text from Josh in the Delta, and it's a starting off point for the conversation I wanted to have right here anyway. Josh asks uh, for our take on uh, why the NFL does not step in and, and potentially buy the AAF or at least get involved somehow and use it as a minor league system like the other sports have. So you have uh, a minor league hockey system, you have a minor league baseball system, obviously, with two teams here in Mississippi, and you've got the G League in basketball. That's something that disgraced former owner of the AAF, Tom Dundon, uh, the guy that everybody hates right now, was trying to do. That was uh, a big part of his his late push and why the really why the league folded was he could not strike an immediate deal with the NFL. He tried to strong arm the NFL into at least controlling them one way or another in order for them to become a de facto minor league for the NFL. That is something that league founders clearly wanted to do down the road, but wanted to make sure that they were sustainable on their own first, and the NFL just had no interest. Um, I'll give you the short answer, and we'll get the Bryans involved as well, but the short answer really, to tell you the truth, Josh, is the NFL doesn't see any value in a minor league system because of how good college football is, because of how much money goes into college football here in the United States. The, the quality of coaching and the quality of facilities and support staff and nutrition and strength and conditioning programs. Scott Cochran at Alabama makes, what, seven, almost $700,000 to be their strength and conditioning coach for football. They've got a full training table, and they're churning out NFL-ready prospects for free for the league. And so getting them to invest in a minor league system is going to be really difficult because they have a free one, and it's called the Southeastern Conference. You also mentioned in the last segment all these vendors and all this money. Why would the NFL buy the AAF when doing so would would accumulate a ton of debt? They can start – if they really want to start their own developmental league, they can do so without that. They can just do it themselves. They have the capital, obviously. Why take on millions of dollars of debt before you've even done anything? 
Well, yeah, and I think the the problem with the whole negotiations was that the AAF needed the NFL, not the other way around. Yes. And so, like, you can't really try to strong-arm somebody when, you know, you need them and they don't need you. And so, yeah, to Borky's point, Borky kind of nailed it with the with the whole idea that they don't really need a minor league system because they already have a free one. And obviously in baseball, like you're not, you need a minor league system because you're not ready to make the jump, obviously, from college to the bigs. Basketball is a little different story. But basketball, you only have 12 people on a roster, so you're an injury, too, away from like having trouble fielding a full roster. So a G League team makes sense to where you can kind of recall guys on 10-day contracts in two ways and other things. So it doesn't really make sense for the NFL to have it. Like, if they wanted to have a minor league thing, like, this would save them in the process. Like, if they bought it, this would save them in the process for, like, organizing everything. Like, it would already be organized in front of them. But the fact of the matter is they don't need one. And if they want a, a viable minor league, I think it's got to happen in the fall. There was some serious concern among NFL circles, and some guys are getting signed today, so it's not a complete detriment, but you don't want your guys, even your practice squad guys, playing a 10-game schedule in March and April and then playing a 16-game schedule starting in September. There's only so much your body can take, and they don't want you, they don't want their players going and taking a beating 10 extra weeks a year on top of their 16-game schedule. So if it happened in the fall where they could call you up and send you down, you wouldn't be adding extra games to your body because football is easily the most physically demanding and taxing sport. That's why we only play it a few months out of the year. And that's why there's a week between games. And to add on to that, to your point, they already have a miniature version of that in the practice squad. Not very big, but still, like, if the circumstance arises, you can call someone up, quote-unquote, in the NFL. For sure. And uh, the the next layer would be you don't need – the NFL doesn't need a bunch of 19-year-olds. It takes longer for you to be physically and mentally ready for the NFL than it does basketball and baseball. You can be an 18-year-old and play Major League Baseball. Maybe you've never seen the pitching that they've got up there, but physically, you're fine. In football, physically, it's just such a different game and so much more demanding and smarter as well. Maybe one player in a 1,000. Maybe even a larger number than that could go straight from the from high school to the NFL. Yeah, like in the past five years, the one the one guy I could I can think of because I don't think any lineman could do it. Leonard Fournette could have done it, I think. Maybe and like a quarterback could have at least been a back like Trevor Lawrence after Trevor this Lawrence, year could yeah. be could could yeah yes but I mean you look at all the high school players and you know because you look at a basketball you know. 10, 12 guys could have easily been drafted in the NBA this past year. How many football players? Like we said, Trevor Lawrence is out of the class of 2019 or 2018. How many? Just one? Yeah, that's what I mean. And think about how many high school players there are in the country. And there's more Montez Sweats than there are Trevor Lawrence. It took Montez Sweat four years to be a first-round draft pick. Maybe he could have gone last year as well and made the NFL, but you get my point. It took him years to become an NFL prospect. Zion Williamson is already an NBA prospect. It's just a different game. And comparing those two is probably not fair, but you get my point. There's there's 15 guys, 20 guys that after one year are NBA ready and probably were after high school. Not that way in football. Just a, a different story. And, and, you know, like I said, the NFL has gotten through this without a developmental league. I can't imagine that putting one together is, is really high on their priority. No. And if, if, if they bought the AAF or something or created something like that, it would be to have like NFL spring. And it may be used as a developmental league, but that wouldn't be the primary purpose. It would just be to be another moneymaker from the Super Bowl to the start of the actual NFL season. For sure. And Bruce and, asked, oh, go ahead, Rippy. I was just to say, even if there were some like very basic like negotiations between the NFL and this, like, if you're negotiating with Tom Dundon, don't you aren't you a little like wary, like the guy's a little wacky? Yeah, a little bit. And all of this is I read a story today that the XFL, the league that's starting up next year, has informed agents that they plan on pursuing and poaching college players that are not eligible yet for the NFL draft. Something to keep an eye on. Final four stuff next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Nobody 
does song intros better than The Who. Not, not even close. There's no close second. Nobody does it better than The Who. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. Get a picture from Richard in Wiggins. He's got a bag full of crawfish. Said just adding to this awesome entertainment. I appreciate that last part. I don't know if that was sarcastic or not, but I will take it as a compliment and uh, hope you're enjoying the crawfish. You know there are people that think that crawfish are bad, that they don't well, enjoy eating them. Could you imagine being one of those people? Uh, this is America, where you're allowed to have your wrong opinions all you want. Yes, sir. In the complaint is you have to like too much work for it, but it's not that much work if you it's know how to that do much it. Much work. Yeah, no, it's not work at all. I mean, I love crawfish. I, I don't get the argument either. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I get a tweet in here from from Thomas. He says he was out of the truck for a second, so he may have missed it. But wouldn't a football deal like that kill college football? Talking about the XFL trying to poach elite college players. And it was in an interview that I read with Justin Ross, who, if you missed it, if you weren't really paying attention during the national championship game, Justin Ross was the other special player on the field that night. He is Clemson's star wide receiver, uh, the best wide receiver in college football entering the 2019 season. He's an incredible player, uh, a super talent. Ooh, I don't know about that. You think there's a better wide receiver in college football entering than 2019 Justin than Justin Ross? Yes, I do. Who? Jerry Judy. Oh, yeah. I would still take Ross over Judy, though, I think. He was electric in the playoffs. Great in that game, yeah. No, no doubt. But regardless, he, he is a surefire first-round NFL draft pick for sure. And, and it was a long interview featuring him, but there was an, a, a section about the XFL. And just kind of thrown into the story. I mean, not even the focal point was that the XFL has actually alerted agents that they plan on going after college players that have not met the three-year requirement out of high school to be drafted for the NFL. They threw out a dollar figure that was about $200,000 in salary a year that they'd be willing to give to these elite prospects. And uh, Thomas asks, would that do damage to college football? And I would say no at least in the short term, because the amount of players that would do that are so small that it wouldn't take away the star power from college football, and there's a loyalty element to college football that keeps people coming back no matter what name is on the back of the jersey. People cheer for the front of the jersey in college football. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the players are irrelevant. I've always said this, that if we woke up tomorrow and all of Ole Miss's players had transferred to Starkville and all of State's players had transferred to Ole Miss – the guys that you love today, you would hate tomorrow. It's, it's just that simple. So, yeah, I don't think it'll hurt. And it, like you said, it's, this sort of goes back to what we were talking about months ago with the, the potent, potential for the NBA to maybe get a few players out of college basketball and put them into immediate G League kind of thing and get some endorsement money there going their way. It's not a lot of guys. Like we were just talking about, you know, it's just there's just not a lot. Even, even the XFL guys are going to be physically superior to the, to the elite college football guy the first year guy so it's not going to be a huge deal and and at the same time the money that you just mentioned it's not enough to get a guy like trevor lawrence out of college who can just say no i'd rather stay here a couple years and get my money from the nfl than rather than go to the xfl and yeah it's because it's a bigger risk it's a bigger risk you are playing against you know better competition you could show that you don't have it and and there you go there will be a few but, a few. but not not enough to where it would take away from college football. Let's turn the page to the Final Four now. We've got that going on Saturday as well. We've talked baseball today. We've talked XFL football today. We did sports movies today. Baseball, just loaded show. Let's talk Final Four. I saw a chart yesterday, I guess last night, that showed that the public interest in college basketball is still higher with Zion Williamson than any team that made the Final Four. Is your interest level lower now because Zion and Duke are not in the Final Four? Uh, no. No. It's, it's the same. I could see why like casual people it was, but I like college basketball. And, like, to me, the, it's, 
It's not more intriguing with Zion out. I'm not going to like squat on that take. But there's four teams, and like usually you get like one or two teams that are like just glad to be there. Like you know what I mean? Like a like had a run outside of their mind, and you don't really have that. You have like like if any of the four teams you told me like cut it the whole thing down on Monday, I would not be shocked. Like none of the four, even right. with uh, Auburn minus Okiki. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. With those two guards and the way they shoot the ball and just whatever kind of run they're on right now where they're mowing through every blue blood that's ever existed, I I wouldn't bet against it. Why does Bruce Pearl seemingly get a pass? And he's a charismatic guy. The media loves him. And and he's been doing just a media tour this week, and nobody at all, except for one columnist at the USA Today who wrote an unfair column about him, to tell you the truth. But why is it only one person that really is even thinking about the fact that he has had two assistant coaches arrested in separate FBI investigations, both of which involving the breaking of NCAA rules? Because at at, at events like this, and I'm not trying to say the media is complicit, but for the most part, you just want to tell the good stories and make everybody feel good because that's what people want to read. And I think it's just, I think it's just a, uh, how to put it. It, it, it's just sort of human nature, I guess. You know. Oh, also, and who cares if they get paid? That's probably a lot of it. There, that is probably a huge part. That probably that might actually be number one, and especially the sports media. People cared that LSU players got paid, though. Now, do they, they actually? Though, or they just want to fake outrage? I don't think they care. They got paid. They got paid. They got care that the coach is directly involved. That's that's the problem. When the coach is direct, because in most schools, and this is what I would tell LSU fans is that. Yeah, everybody's cheating, but not everybody has the coach directly involved in calling the bag man. That's yeah. not that's not happening everywhere. That's where the problem is for LSU and for Will Wade. Is it you know is this stuff going on at every other school? Yeah, but is Ben Howland, Kermit Davis, you know whoever else? Do you think Calipari's making those phone calls? No, he's got somebody else handling that for him. Let's get your picks now. We've got two games coming up tomorrow night. Auburn is a five-and-a-half-point underdog against Virginia, and Michigan State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Texas Tech. So we'll start with uh, Auburn and Virginia, and we'll start with you, Rippy. Five-and-a-half-point spread's kind of big for a game like this. Yeah, and the team that Virginia struggles most against is like a team that, like, really athletic, bombs a bunch of threes with really good guards. So... I still think Virginia is the best team, so I'll probably I'll probably go Virginia in this. I'm not going to bet against Auburn at this point. I could see them just staying hot from behind the three point line, and athletically, I mean, Virginia does not match up really well with good athletic teams, and, and Auburn has some of that. So I'm, I'm going to take the Auburn Tigers to keep this going just a little bit further. Could you imagine Auburn? Winning the national championship with wins over Kansas and North Carolina, and now winning two games in the Final Four, and Kentucky, and Kentucky, yeah. and then beating Virginia, a one seed in the Final Four, it would and be winning one of the, the all-time great get hot runs ever. They haven't lost since since they haven't lost since February. I mean, March. They played MSU on March second. They won that game. They haven't lost since. And then they're thirteen and one since the second Ole Miss loss. It's incredible. And then the other game, Michigan State, two and a half point favorite over Texas Tech. This is going to be a fist fight, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um. This is going to be a brutal, brutal game. I I think I'll go Michigan State. I hate betting against Texas Tech because they defend so well, and I think Culver is awesome, but. This just feels like Michigan State's year to win it. You got three teams that really don't like. Like, yes, there's some veterans on each team, but like Izzo's been there. They're kind of a, like Michigan State feels like a team you're gonna have to like literally just like shoot them in the head to actually knock them out. So like, I, I think I think I'll go Michigan State. Yeah, when I say this is gonna be a brutal game, I mean it in a good way. It's gonna be if you like old school basketball. If you're somebody who grew up like on late 80s NBA basketball with the Pistons just beating the crap out of everybody. This is the game for you. That said, uh, I think Izzo at this point is locked in, and uh, he's, he's the best coach of the four of these guys, and I think he's going to get the uh, get the win. In case you missed it, we're going to bring you something next that happened on yesterday's show. Ladarius Perkins joined us to start the show yesterday and had great 
unique insight on the life of an AAF player and then what his perspective was on the fallout. That was early in the show yesterday, so I'm going to bring it to you. That's next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.